Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss what the Eagles should do in Week 18, their best opponent for the first round of the playoffs, and we'll touch on the great Howie Roseman debate. But before we get into that, Chris, how are you doing today? Not too bad, man. Uh, I'm, I'm loving this uh, snow that we're, we had earlier this week, and it looks like we're getting some more. So uh, I feel actually feel like it's finally like true football, late December playoff type weather, man. How are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm here. I, you know, <laughs> the snow like came and went, like I was playing with my kid in the snow like two days ago and now there's no snow. So it's a very interesting, uh, dynamic for the winter. Uh, my brother lives in Nashville and they're getting tons of snow right now when <laughs> that doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. Although I have been in Nashville when it snowed. So I guess, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, Let's get into this Howie Roseman debate because, you know, for those who didn't see it, I got into it a little bit with with uh, another writer about, you know, uh, a couple of other writers about Howie Roseman's record. I think, look, I, I think there's like two sides of this coin and I'm kind of actually probably square in the middle. Um but I think that's taken as me being a defender of Howie Roseman. I think Howie Roseman, based on fact, is a top 10 general manager in the NFL. Um, I don't think he's a top five guy. I don't think he is an elite general manager by any stretch. But I do think the amount of flack he gets, considering, look, I came here post-Super Bowl. I've covered three playoff teams in four years. Uh, he's been the lone constant in the front office during that period. Um, look, I know there's talk about his drafting. His drafting has been poor. There's talk about what he does behind the scenes. Yes, that's been poor, but he's been able to be successful despite all of those things. And I think when you compare him to the rest of the league and not in a vacuum, he's actually one of the more successful GMs the past two decades. In fact, he's been a constant throughout the most successful period 
in franchise history. Um, yes, he has recycled through head coach. He's gone through head coaches faster than any uh, successful GM in sports history, probably. But I also think you, when you look at those firings, the Andy Reid era, he was he didn't he inherited Andy Reid and. Reed did seem like he needed to change the scenery anyway. Um, Chip Kelly, that seemed to be a mutual disaster. Uh, Doug Peterson, you could argue, uh, was greatly impacted by what Howie Roseman did behind the scenes in both negative and positive ways. Um, But I think when you look at how low this team was looked at entering this offseason and what they've been able to accomplish – after Roseman and Lurie hired Nick Sirianni, who was a very unconventional choice, I think there's a lot to be said about what's happened here uh, and how much Howie Roseman deserves credit for it. What do you say, Chris? What, where are you, where's your stance on Howie Roseman after I just went on that diatribe? i probably say if I was giving his, his career grade, I'm giving it like a C minus ish. The reason why I'm doing that is so many times when you look at when this team, oh, he, he's always going to get credit as being the guy, the arch, one of the architects that brought the Super Bowl. Granted, that's why I think it's beyond that. But when you look at what he's done, as in the reasons why the team has had struggles at times, and, and you mentioned the Andy Reid stuff when he started getting, uh, he was a little uh, burned out. I think part of the job of being a guy who is a general manager, you have to see when your coaches are ready to like basically end it. And I think personally, I would have probably ended read probably about two thousand eight. I thought I thought the his tenure was getting time there. We all know about the Chip Kelly thing. I agree with you there. The Doug Peterson thing. I, I, I still look at the time when it comes to coaching. It's just. I think they gave up a little bit too soon on Doug. I, I still believe that. And that's no, that's not a slight against Nick Sirianni because I think he's doing a good job. I just would have kept Doug around here for one more year because I think you, if you're, especially if I was from Roseman's situation, as many times as he's been given chances to fix mistakes that he's caused, basically with his draft history, with his free agent signings, with at times trying to outsmart so many other people in the league when basically sometimes the correct thing is just sometimes doing the most simplest basic things i just i thought you should have stuck with it uh, well and, and to, clar- to, to clarify was- sorry to clarify before you go on his he actually did not make the decision to let go of peterson that was solely jeffrey lurie i can tell you that um that said i what howie roseman accomplished during the past few years obviously factored into that evaluation so sorry i just wanted to clarify that Go ahead. i also th- i also think he has the ear of jeffrey Lurie, and even though i think when it comes to hey i, I think he looks around here i think when it comes to deciding who went to do anything one of the first people he asks is is howie and i still when you look overall what this team has done i mean when you see the reports about the analytics and how heavy stuff is used and just some of the other stuff that surrounds the team in the past when it comes to free agents and drafting everything. I just look right now and I, I see a guy who I see a guy who's basically is cleaning up some of the stuff that he's done in the past. And I, would I take him over what's going on in Jacksonville? Yeah. Would I take him over about a bottom third of the team league? Yeah. But you, you look at some of the other guys around the league and you, 
and everything else. I just think it. He's about. He's below. He's to me. He's about average, below average, and and I think a lot of that comes to his draft history. Save for a 2018 draft. I mean, look at that. Class, the rest of the classes. Well, I'll say 2021. I'll give him. I'll give him the 2020 draft. Uh, 2021. Excuse me. I'll give him this draft too. But when you look at the other classes, there's been a lot of misses, and the team is he's tried to fix from a lot of misses over that time. Yeah, I, I do think there. I do think we also have to reflect on the 2020 draft differently because of what we've er, seen from 2021. I'm not giving him a pass for that, but Jalen Hurts has just led the team to a, a playoff berth. Um, if his draft positioning was switched with Jalen Rager, Jalen Hurts has played better than pretty much anybody drafted over the last two years at the quarterback position, Sands, uh, Justin Herbert, and Mac Jones. So if you're ranking him as the third best quarterback in that group, I think, you know, again, I'm not trying to to pass the buck for, for Howie Roseman. I'm not. I also think a lot of what you've brought up are Jeffrey Lurie problems and not Howie Roseman problems. He's Jeffrey Lurie's been an enabler for Howie because Howie's been an enabler for Jeff is my read on the situation. Um Here's what I would say, too. We've talked about free agent signings. He got a lot of criticism for Javon Hargrave and Darius Slay and extending Darius Slay. They're the two best players on defense right now. Uh, Jalen Hurts has led a team to the playoffs, albeit in a weak division, albeit at nine and seven. Um, I I think when you look at, at, at the factual evidence, they've made the playoffs four out of five years. They've won a Super Bowl, two division titles. And yes, you can argue that the NFC East isn't very good, but then you look at Indianapolis at a guy like Chris Ballard, who has never won a division title in his uh, six or five, uh, what is it? Four years in Indianapolis in the easiest division where you're probably going to get three wins out of facing the Texans and Jaguars every year. He's never beat the Jaguars on the road. Um, despite them being one in 15 last year and two and uh, two and 15, I guess this year. Uh, I, I just think there's like this vacuum of on the surface. Yes. Howie Roseman has not drafted well. That's completely accurate. But I think when you look at the, the quote unquote mess that he's cleaning up, I mean, this t- team is in position to contend for, a decent amount of time or at least build a young core that can contend. Um, I've been going through the 2021 draft class today uh, for a story that I'm doing. And I mean, the only guys I would give below a C for this draft class or Mr. T is Mr. T. So like it's an interesting dynamic, right? I don't think anyone's wrong here. I think acting like he's a horrific general manager or a bad general manager is off. And I'm going to disagree I'll, with you that he is below average. Uh, I'll, I'll counter as well, too. Like you mentioned, when it comes to the Colts and and you have Houston and Jacksonville, where look how many times that when he, under his stead that you've had the Giants and Washington being down. I mean, even the Cowboys at times. I mean, there, there's to me, in my opinion, over the last, I'd probably say, decade, the AFC has been a tougher road to go through to get to a Super Bowl or to have success in the playoffs. And the NFC has been. When you look at some of those teams, you look at structure, even the quarterback I agree position. on the greater whole. I wouldn't say the – but I wouldn't say – like, for instance, Lesneed gets all this credit. Lesneed 
built a team that scored three points against the same, nearly the same Patriots team that Harry Roseman's squad put up 41 points on. Now, I'm not trying to take away anything that Doug Peterson or Frank Reich or anybody did during that run, but I think, like, there's this need to compare. I mean, like, for some, the criticism with Roseman is just internal, right? It's it's the character of the guy. It's the draft picks. It's the free agent signings. But I think there's also a need to compare and contrast. And I think there's a dis, disingenuous argument made for why other GMs are better, when it comes to like nitpicking, trust me, I do not think he is a top five GM. That's not even close to what he is, but I do think he's in that second tier of GMs that, that eight to 15 range is what I think he's kind of in. Um, He's had his lumps. He's had his nuts. Like Rick Spielman, yes, sure. Rick Spielman took advantage of the Eagles taking Jalen Rager and just drafted Justin Jefferson he also guaranteed Kirk Cousins a bajillion dollars and is stuck with him at least through next year. Um, and his team hasn't made the playoffs in the two years since he's had Justin Jefferson. I think like that's something that also needs to be considered too. Um, but when you're looking at facts, over the past five years, Howie Roseman has been extremely successful, whether you want to go to the NFC East, which they can't control where they play, um, you want to go their schedule, like they can't control again who they play. Um, but I also think you have to criticize him for the past two off seasons. The past two off seasons were really bad. This off season was solid. Um, he is cleaning up a mess uh, because if you look at their defensive unit, really they have like two drafted notable players on that side of the ball. Um and only maybe a couple of free agent signings that came prior to last year. So I think that is a completely valid criticism. When you look at TJ Edwards, who they signed as an undrafted free agent, and then Josh Sweat, who they drafted in the fourth round, those are really the two notable guys who could be long-term contributors that they have had since the jump, their homegrown, prior to this year. I think that is an extremely valid criticism and something that Howie Roseman absolutely needs to fix, and it's part of the reason why I think – Next year, this draft, when they have all these premium picks, should be really focused on defense. But then I think you look at the offense, and while drafting players is absolutely the right move, and that's how you set up a franchise, then you can't in turn say, oh, well, Les Need is this brilliant guy when he trades away first round picks like they're nothing. Chris Ballard's traded away his last two, or, or has traded away first round picks as well. Um, so it's an interesting dynamic and it's an interesting debate to me. Um, I do think there's a lot more emotion in it from a fan perspective, obviously, but I think if you really look at, 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 at all of these GMs, I think Roseman is in that eight to 15 range as far as GMs go. And while the idea in Philadelphia is to always shoot for the stars, you know, having the perspective I have from coming from Jacksonville It's just not how it works. And I've yet to see somebody come up with a guy who is better suited to replace Howie Roseman. Because, look, we talk about it with quarterback too, right? Unless you have a guy who you think is going to be better, why are you getting rid of the guy who at least keeps you competitive? And I think that's part of my stand in the debate. It's like, look, I even said, if you're going to get rid of 
Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson, you should get rid of Howie Roseman. I'm on record saying that. He has had a solid bounce back year. Now, he has to absolutely nail at least three of the four draft picks he has in the first two rounds this upcoming year to really kind of sustain any success. We've all seen him be very good at building up a program, but his problem is long-term success. And we saw how quickly that Super Bowl team fell apart. Um, But I also think some of the criticism is kind of in a vacuum. And I think that's kind of where I push back with. Um, Now, Look, his head needs to be on a swivel here. If he messes up these major picks next year, it'll be all for naught, and he should be sent packing. Um, and I I understand the fan base saying, hey, I don't trust this guy to draft. You shouldn't. He, he has not done a good job as a drafter. But drafting is only one piece of the pie, in my opinion. And when you look at the success that they've had, including hiring Doug Peterson and hiring Nick Sirianni, I, I think he deserves a little bit more credit than he's probably given on the greater whole. So that's that's where I would go there. Chris, do you have any last words? Any last comebacks? That was a lot. I felt like I was talking to Nick Sirianni on his press conference. He's <laughs> money. But uh, I, I, I understand what you're saying. It's, I think it's going to be one of the ones we're going to agree to disagree on that one. I just look at overall when it comes to his – and I think a lot of things, and, and, and it, when it comes to drafting, you mentioned that too. I think it's a lot of times you need – when you look at all the successful franchises that you've seen, quote-unquote, dynasties, or you look at the ones that have had long-term success, all of them are built on the success of the draft, how you choose a talent, and having a good scouting culture to do that. When you see – I know this is overblown with the Justin Jefferson scene, when your scouts, the guys who – Look at college football tape, twenty four seven, all every throughout the whole entire year. They say this is the guy, and then you have the pro team, the pro scouts, not, not pro scouts, but the pro personnel. Once the season's over, they start looking at stuff, putting their input in. Who don't look as much as often as the pro coaches. I know they have to implement, see, pro, like project how they're going to go into their system and stuff. But you look at the talent, you get somebody that overrides them over time. It, it, it's and you choose Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson, I think that's a big indictment. When you just look overall, you have, and you have to wonder how often does that go? Because I, I just see so I just see there's too many instances over this whole entire time period. And you can say, well, he's been here for so long. Of course, he's going to get examples. Nobody's perfect 100%, blah, blah, blah. There's just, to me, there's too many instances over time a long experience in a period of time this team to me this team should be in a position similar to the kansas city chiefs year in year out and you can say oh well, patrick mahomes and have the quarterback and that's all right. that's that's true but to me this team sh- should consistently be in the conversation to being in one of the top three seeds in the playoffs that's, that that comes with the expectation of being in the Delaware Valley seems to always be in the conversation of being a top three team of not, but that's what I'm talking about in the vacuum. That one too, but, but, see, but, see, but that's so not realistic. What, that's not realistic. I think it is overall, if you draft very well, and that's the problem, my issues I have when it comes like, to those moves. If you, look you the draft, turn into you a unicorn, you can be able to fly. Like, what, like, what do you mean? Like if you draft, here's the thing, like what is drafting? Well, is that hitting on, on, Look, they sold out to win a Super Bowl, and they overachieved. Frankly, no one – they should have not been as good as they were. 
in 2017. They absolutely overachieved, hit lightning in a bottle. That was a they hit on every free like it doesn't happen that way. And I think to say, well, they should be contending based on what they signed a bunch of short term guys. So why should they be contending? Like if you're drafting well, they didn't develop anybody under Peterson. Like if if that's what you're going to say, like who did they develop other than offensive linemen? I look at when I wanted to go back and look at look at where Russell Douglas is right now. Now Russell Douglas got cut by a bunch of other teams. I'm not saying he was like a perfect guy, but like. Russell Douglas is having success elsewhere. Um, I'm pretty sure that Derek Barnett might that, have success that, elsewhere. Like, when, you look at the, when you look at the defense, the first guy who was brought in before even Doug Peterson was hired was Jim Schwartz, and then Jim Schwartz doesn't have didn't have a history of developing a lot of his younger guy, like a lot of younger guys. So you start seeing go elsewhere, and Jim Schwartz, I believe, would have been would have been one of the how and how he brought in Schwartz before they basically the team brought inside to go Peterson. So that's where I will look at that as well too. So if you're looking to go continue to develop these players and you brought in a guy who doesn't develop players and then you just going to continually just basically have to sign free agents to patch continually sign free agents at high price positions and you can't But that's how they won a Super Bowl, Chris. But that's yeah, how they won a Super Bowl. They didn't win a Super Bowl because they developed suddenly developed players. Like that's my point to you. They had Rodney McLeod, they had Brandon Brooks uh that they brought in the year before the the year before. They signed Chris Long. Uh they had Stefan Wisniewski. They like they brought in they traded for Ronald Darby. Like they, they bought, brought. They, they signed Bowl. Nigel Bradham the year before. Like these are all free agent signings, so it's not like they just suddenly developed guys. So that's why I'm kind of confused as to. No, no, I'm saying I'm saying they bought. They basically bought a Super Bowl. They, they, right. To me, they, so then why should they but be I'm competing about- every year if they bought a Super Bowl? The logic of that was they essentially sold their souls to the devil. From a from a roster building standpoint, as Les Neat has been praised for for the last like five years and never won anything other than an NFC Championship game, like that to me is where I'm kind of like, how is this debate logical? What I'm saying is that they have to, it, they have, they can't continue. My thing is saying that they shouldn't be doing that. My thing is that they should be continuing to drafting, and if they can't draft the right players, and they continually have to fill, go out and fill out and buy, and basically go out to free agency to fill those spots, that's why I have the issue with. And I think that you need he's, is to me, in my in my view of a general manager, you have to find the right players to fill in for your positions, and you use free agency as a supplement. Would continually have issues with bringing in, continually have issues finding the right talent or overriding your scouting staff to bring in people in those positions of need. I have issues with that. When you continually have to keep drafting for the same position because you messed up from the year before because of AKA Devonta Smith for Jalen Rager, AKA some of these other spots, you can't continually do that. That's what my issue is. And you can't, and to me, I just can't dismiss the whole, well, you know, that's just drafting is just one part. To me, that's, that's, it's everything. That's where your foundation. That's where you get your foundational guys. That's where you get Unless your Unless you're from. the Los Angeles Rams. Well, screw the Rams. <laughs> no, but, but my point is, here, look, you could go down the list. Look, 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 NFL GMs here. Let me bring up the list because I'm loving this debate. Here we go. I am not. <laughs> why? Because you're wrong. That's why. No, no. I think you're completely wrong on this one. I, I really, truly do. He's not a – I know Jason you said, like, me, you say, Okay, Jason said, Like. Uh, let's talk about Jason Like, Okay who, according to Sporting News, coming into this year was the number one GM. The year before, he was ranked 16th. That man did not make the playoffs before he brought in Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, and Leonard Fournette. 
Okay. Right, I'm going to stop right now. Did, how many? I'm gonna, no, I'm I understand. Right how, here, here, how, how many? How, how many elite GMs do you think there are? Right? Elite. I'm just going to say elite. How many elite GMs do you think there are right now? There are, there are right three. Now. Okay. So next here, you say he's around eight fifteen. Eight, eight to the fifteen. If if you had to rank them, right, if you had to say, hey, right now today, where where where's Howie Rosen? You said eight to fifteen. If you said somewhere in that range between eight fifteen, where's Howie Rosen rank? Probably ten. Okay. When you look at that, and you, so you're saying, he, so you say you're you're putting him actually higher than above average. Then you're probably yeah, putting him average. You're putting him, you're putting him on the above average. I would scale. say he's between ten and twelve. Off the top and of my ten. head. All right. Here, here, here. here. Okay. The best GM in the league is John Robinson, in my opinion, for the Titans. The fact that they are are about to lock up the number one seed in the AFC without Derrick Henry for like eight games is absolutely incredible. That defense is phenomenal. The offensive line is good. Um, They've drafted well at wide receiver. And frankly, Mike Vrabel would not have been my eighth choice for a head coach when he was hired and he's been phenomenal from there i'd go uh i'd probably go belichick who has routinely missed on wide receiver and cornerbacks over the last 20 years um and i think eric DaCosta is a brilliant gm um i think he's done an amazing job in baltimore and look they're on the cusp of missing the playoffs uh, I think another guy I would put over Howie is Kevin Colbert for the Steelers. They're probably going to miss out on the, on the playoffs. Um, I'd probably go with Brian Gunkust. I can't really sp- pronounce his name properly. Um, for the Packers, despite all the Aaron Rodgers stuff, that team is has won 12 straight game or 12 games in the last three seasons. Hiring LaFleur was a master stroke uh, when nobody really kind of knew who he was. Um, look, Tom Telesco nailed the quarterback, nailed the quarterback, got Justin Herbert when nobody thought that he was going to be the number one guy. Um, but like you look at the back end of, of bad GMs, David Gettleman's horrible. Chris Greer has made countless bad decisions. This is a guy who signed, uh, Jordan Howard to like a, but like a massive contract after missing half a season with a stinger injury. Um, Ryan Pace, who's routinely missed at quarterback. Uh, I, I just like Joe Douglas, who got tons of credit for the Super Bowl, has had two absolutely brutal years with the Jets. Um, George Patton was terrible this year with the Broncos. Martin Mayhew, ugh, with Washington. Um, I, I think you look at, at, at a lot of these teams and they are not really set up to like contend for a long-term thing. And I think if you're looking at this outside of a vacuum and I agree, you're looking at this objectively and from your point of view, but like when you look at teams, there are very rare teams that are able to contend every year. And that's been the Patriots. That's been the Ravens. That's been the chiefs. And to your point, the AFC has been a much harder go, right? Um, but what the Buccaneers are essentially doing in a division where an aging Matt Ryan is on his last leg, uh, Taysom Hill is Taysom Hill, and Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold, the Buccaneers are balling. 
And I would be shocked if they are contending once Tom Brady retires, when, even though he's probably going to play till he's 60. Veach didn't draft Patrick Mahomes. Veach didn't draft Tyreek Hill. Veach didn't draft uh, Travis Kelsey. Um, so I think like there's that too. Um, I, I think this is a situation where, you know, uh, I think it has a lot to do with the parts. I think it has to do with the coaching. I think it has to do with where you're at as a general manager with your staff. And I think this situation with the Eagles is, is really polarizing because frankly, Howie Roseman's character is constantly reported on and he is rightfully criticized for that. But when you look at the success they've had, they've been in the discussion for the playoffs every single year, even last year to the point where, they were in the worst division in football and they were contending until like week 15. So it's like, I, I kind of don't understand how you can say he's below average as a general manager from a fact based argument. This what I'm looking at a list right now of all the guys right now. And I'll just go all the guys I'd rather have right now than Howie Roseman. Cool. I know you say, I'll poke holes in them. Go for it. Brandon Bean. I know you said you could say Brandon Bean. He's better. Bill Belichick. Awesome. Eric DaCosta. Awesome. Mike Brown. Mike Brown? I go Mike Brown. They won like four games before this year. I go Mike Brown. Look what they're building right now. Look what they're starting to build. But but, but based on your logic, though, like Howie Roseman's never had a season, had back-to-back seasons that bad. Like, I mean, they haven't made the playoffs in years. So based on your logic, though, like having one good year doesn't matter. I'm I'm going by basically when it comes to drafting in the future, and the guy who took over the job and, and tried he to build stuff. He drafted Billy right? Price. Yeah, he, I'm still going. Mike, I still go Mike Brown. He drafted I, uh, Billy Price. I'm going Mike Brown. Uh, Chris Ballard. I'm still going over Allie Roseman, John Robinson, Brett Veach. Uh, I'm probably say see. I'm on the fence of this one. Basically, because of when it uh, when it comes to who was actually making the final decisions out there in Oakland, uh, in Oakland and Las Vegas, I'm on the fence with Mayock. Uh, I, I I seriously consider him. Uh, Farrell's not been very good, but I, I do like Mayock. I wouldn't take him over Howie, but I do think he is better than probably advertised. I think that Gutekunst. I still take him. Yeah, I would take him over Howie. I agree. Uh, I probably go like I go like. Just basically, based on what, what though, like knowing, based on what, knowing on what the way that they, I don't agree with what their way they're doing, but I think overall the moves that he has, he's had to make based on what he's basically been given down by general management and basically having to get Brady work with Brady and try to get the stuff he's done and maneuver that that cap and bringing basically helping with the recruiting aspect of it along with Brady to get those guys in there. I still like that. I still take him. Uh, I'm gonna see where I lost where I was at. Kevin Colbert. Yeah, I'll I like what Colbert he's done. Over it. I'll definitely take that one. Uh, Lynch, I'm on the fence. What? On. Dude, on the, oh I'm on the fence. Oh my god! On the fence. On the fence. The dude drafted Solomon fence. Thomas third overall. The guy's already on another team. He traded his best defensive lineman to the to the Colts for a late first round pick. Uh, Brandon Ayuk. <laughs> so cool, Brandon Ayuk. So uh, he drafted. He's found a couple. He's found a couple. The guys. best I say, move I'm that guy has made is drafting Debo Samuel, who was a phenomenal prospect and went incredibly underdrafted. 
But I, <laughs> I say I'm a, I say I'm on the fence. I'm saying that too. I, I say I'm on the fence on that. I'm the man that traded it traded up to number three to take the wrong quarterback, in my opinion. So and then and then he also gave Gar- uh, Garoppolo a huge contract, and the guy basically lost them the Super Bowl. So I, I go ahead, go ahead, keep going. I'm probably gonna, you know what if you look at the guys that may I has. Sorry, I just looked You're at the, hedging, uh, bro. the freaking news. No, I'm not. I'm looking, I just got the alert saying that uh, Antonio Brown is going to be released today. I was looking at that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so like, huh? Well, another oh, great move by Jason Light. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying he he did when he was able to come in and uh, help out with that. It looked like good, especially when you look at they had those three guys together, and, and as Brady's boy, he, he he was trying. He helped he helped get Brady his guy into there and make it fit within the cap and everything else. So, yeah, that one too. I'm on. See, I'm on the fence with Schneider too. But oh my I, God! I, I say dude, I'm on the he, fence he, with he, Schneider. Russell Wilson. The last five years of Russell Wilson's career have been wasted because they have not drafted a very good offensive lineman ever. They traded for Dwayne Brown. He's awesome. Outside of that, they've not. I mean, this is a guy who took James Carpenter. Like, if, if John Schneider was here for the last three, four years, do you think the Eagles have success? I mean. I don't know. I mean, I, his philosophy is so much different than he also has a Hall of Fame head coach. So I, I you know, I, so it's Belichick too because we know he, this team would actually draft linebackers. <laughs> <laughs> he did take Bobby Wagner over Michael Kendricks, which I would have done a million times. But that was also like eleven years ago or ten years ago. He has as many Super Bowl rings as Howie Roseman and got the better quarterback in that draft. Um, oh, anybody knows? Anybody knows we're going to take David Gettleman over Howie Roseman? I see that I'm joking. I would actually take Jerry Jones over Howie. See, that's where I take Stephen Jones over Howie. <laughs> Stephen Jones, I think, has a lot I mean, more say I'm now in, that, in those personnel. Credit to, I would take over Howie for sure. Stephen Jones, I th- it's definitely Stephen Jones. I think Jerry's t- too busy looking at not. Oh, let me All stop right, before I say something. I'm in trouble. I agree with you. I think Stephen Jones is better than Howie. So let's see. I lost count. I lost count. But that's basically where we're at. Oh, where also, by the way, Mike Brown's not the GM. Duke Tobin is for the Bengals. But he's also yeah. kind of new. So Yeah. See, I get that one, too. Well, he went to. I'll give it to him, too. But, yeah, I lost count. But those are who I put in front of him. So, so, that's, that's, so that would put him in the 10 to 12 range. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 14, 15. There's no way you named 15 names just now. All right, let me let me rewrite it. Okay. I'm looking at a couple of things here. Bean, Belichick, DaCosta, Brown, that four. Oh, I forgot Andrew Barry. Andrew Barry? I forgot. I, okay, so Andrew Barry, another guy who's like, <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of Andrew Barry, but in two years. I, and I know I, and I know it's going to help your case when you say how he worked on he worked with Howie Rose. I'm not, I wasn't book. even going to go there oh, because okay. it's frankly not helped Joe Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> but like, and I'm not even like, I'm not even standing for Howie Roseman. I don't think he's, I don't think he's an elite GM. I don't even think he's a top eight GM. I think he's in the ten to twelve range. I think that that's Wait, a, you're, not, you're not trying to audition for a job. 
had to because his argument digging. was so objective. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw that one. All right, sorry. we've debated this open. for like roughly 35 <laughs> minutes. Let's. I'm sorry. <laughs> you guys can judge. Send us your comments. Tell us who you agree with. Tweet us. Send us your reviews. We want to hear from you. Now, this should be easy as you're laughing. This is actually one of our better podcasts, in my opinion. It's been very fun. So at the 35-minute mark, let's talk about should he eat? Look, I asked Nick Sirianni this morning, we're recording this Thursday morning, if he was going to rest his starters. And if if not, what would be the logic there? And he essentially said that they want to beat the Cowboys and they're still figuring things out. They are not still figuring things out. I, I find that that's ridiculous. I have a lot of respect for Nick Sirianni, but feeding us that with, a, with you know, you got to take that with a grain of salt. What should they do for Week 18? Should they sit players? Should they not? Oh, they should definitely set the players. I mean, you can still try to – you still hope to win the game with your reserves, but you, you should just sit your, sit your main starters. I mean, Jalen Hurts continually is still dealing with that ankle injury. He was limited in practice the last two days, and he still shows up on the injury report. I think you sit him. I, I'm not risking him somebody, somebody rolling up on his ankle on even on one series. I'm not doing that. When you look at if it's Jason Kelsey, I know he's got the streak going. I'm putting him in for a snap, maybe a uh, maybe one series, and I'm pulling him immediately. I'm not letting that happen. All these all these guys who have gotten you to this point are banged up. A lot of them are banged up. I mean, it just comes with the nature of as the season goes along. Guys get nicked up. You had your bye week late, so just let the guys rest for one game. Let them heal. Let them prepare completely for whoever the opponent is going to be coming up. And, and just go from there. You can still, you. I think you gain a lot more value with the young players coming in, getting actual game experience. Guys like Cameron Malvo, Malvo who came on today, uh, and also I'd use Gardner Minshew and use this. I'd, I'd basically who go out there and for say, Gardner Minshew, who signed Calvin Malvo? Well, yeah, he's here now. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I use Gardner Minshew. I'd use Gardner Minshew, and if you since he's on the roster now by the person who we just debated for thirty five minutes, and I'm getting, uh, but if you use him, do you tell him say, hey, listen, this is your chance to audition for a potentially a job. If you get a good deal, if we get a good draft pick back, you can go start for some other team. I use that say, hey, this is you have the nation's attention right now. Prove to the fan bases of everybody who's watching this game that you should be their starter, and you send them out that way. There's so much of the value I think you can get for more of these reserves to get the experience and the playing time than just putting somebody out to say, hey, you know what? Oh wow, we have a chance to move to the sixth seed. There's there's no gain from that. So just just rest the guys. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I think something you really have to factor in is they've pl- they're being asked to play four games in 19 days. That's unreal. I think it's probably unheard of. The fact that they moved this game to Saturday really grinds my gears. Not because of their their health or their playing time, but the fact that we have to cover another night game that's meaningless. I, I just like to me, I'm 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 kind of bummed about it. I'd rather cover a one o'clock game, be able to to kind of put everything together. You know, whatever. Anyway, beat writers complaining about their schedules. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, I'm throwing, a, he, I'm throwing a flag on the NFL. It changed uh, is a is a personal foul on the NFL. It changed my schedule a lot too. I was looking forward to something, but thanks, guys. So the last thing <laughs> that I want us to debate here, which in a debate heavy show, is who the best opponent would be for the Eagles. Now, there's a chance that if they lock up the three seed, the six seed. 
or the seven seed, their, their most likely matchups are either going to be the L.A. Rams and Les Snead or the Bucks and Jason Light. It's <laughs> going back to this. Now, oh, I'm of the opinion that L.A. and the Buccaneers are significantly better teams than the Eagles. I, there's no debate about that. I was looking at the greater overarching whole, uh, whole for like Roseman and and uh, Snead. I don't think the Bucks or the the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl this year. That said, I do think both are really difficult matchups for the Eagles. I'm going to let you start and say who you'll take, which one you think is the better matchup for the Eagles right now and why. The reason why I'm going with this team is because they've gone through a significant amount, gone to injuries at significant positions offensively. And so I would rather the Eagles play the Bucks in the first round because if with Antonio Brown not being there anymore, you don't have to worry about him hurting you from the slot. You don't have Chris Godwin on the outside to try to bring you deep along with him and Evans and Brown there. So I think you don't have to worry about too much, and in my opinion, too many deep shots being taken that way. You still have to worry about Mike Evans, but I think you can contain, keep everything underneath. And basically, I think it plays right into the hands of what Jonathan Gannon would like to do in keeping everything underneath and try and prevent the big play from happening. I look at the deep, the Bucks defense. I know it's tough to run against them with Vea in the middle, but I think when you look at this Eagles team has proven when it comes to some of the best run defenses in the league, they find ways to scheme them and have success. So given that you have those things going for you, I know you have Tom Brady on the other sideline. We know, all know what his history has been when it comes to the playoffs and success he's had there. But when you look at what the way that the Eagles match up and what the Eagles like to do with their philosophically, schematically, I think that's the best way, the best matchup for this team to go. Who you who you want to go with? For the sake of the debate, I mean, I, look, the Rams are tough. not just a debate. Just go. Well, no, I, I do agree that the Bucks are are, are uh, the the better matchup, but I do think with the Rams, the Eagles match up in a way where I think if they needed to control the clock and force turnovers on Matt Stafford, we've seen Stafford's armor kind of unhinge a little bit. Um, he has turned the ball over. Uh, he's also not a guy who's got a lot of playoff experience. And when he has, he has not looked that terrific. Um, I think the Eagles can force turnovers. Um, I think that, Darius Slay is a very good matchup for Odell Beckham. I think that Maddox, with some help, can do relatively well against Cooper Cup. Um, same with Steve Nelson. Where I'm at is the Eagles, any team that plays the Rams is going to have a tough time throwing the football. The Eagles don't need to throw the football to be successful, or at least haven't as of late. I also think Jalen Hurts' ability to escape the pocket on the outside helps kind of deter the effectiveness, a little bit at least, of Aaron Donald. I don't think the Rams are clear-cut, like they're going to blow them out of the water sort of team because I think the Eagles can control the clock and create turnovers. That said, I like I, like you said, I, I do think injuries have really kind of weighed in for the Buccaneers. Um, I think... Mike Evans is a tougher matchup for Darius Slay than than um, Odell Beckham would be. 
uh, I just, you know, history shows that the high powered offense is probably going to win. And I think the Rams are definitely better fit to put up points on the Eagles, especially at home. Um, I think the Eagles would prefer to play the Buccaneers. Um, See, I'm, and I'm worried about Aaron Donald controlling the middle. I know that he hasn't had success with against the Eagles, but you don't have Brandon Brooks there. Yeah, Nate Herbig, about, I, I, ironically, yeah. Nate Herbig's best game of his career was against Aaron Donald. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I'm just worried that now that he's got some tape on him and Aaron Donald being Aaron Donald, that they try to take advantage of that and he's disruptive of the middle and all hell breaks loose and, and everything, every, almost all, a lot of plays are off schedule. So that's where, that's the only other thing I'd probably say with the Rams. I'm like, eh, I'm better for it. I agree with you with a lot of other stuff when it comes to the Rams, if, you, if they had to face them. But that, that's the one key thing. I'm like, eh, let me shy away. I'd rather go to Bucks. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I would tell you this. I would rather go to LA. I'm probably in the minority from the beat writer travel perspective over going to Tampa Bay. But, you know, that's that's neither here nor there. I want to check out that new stadium. Um, but, yeah, man, this was a fun debate show. We don't normally have those. Typically, we're in relatively good agreement, or at least we can see the other perspective. I think this was a good debate, and I'm looking forward to hearing feedback uh, from the fan base. Again, Thanks, I, Pip. I, <laughs> I think Howie Roseman deserves a ton of criticism, a ton of criticism uh, for the way he's handled the management of this team. That, say, I, that said, when I look at the facts and the statistics and the success, I think he's at least in the top half of the league as a general manager. That is what I'm debating. I'm not saying that he should have kept his job. I'm saying he had a very solid year this year and deserves praise for that. But there is the stink of the past two years that I think definitely contends with his legacy and definitely contends with why the fan base feels the way the fan base does. Rager over Jefferson is going to be go down as one of the worst decisions in franchise history. There's no question about that. I'm less bullish on the the JJ DK thing because once you get in the second round everything's kind of a little bit blurred um I think the drafting of Jalen Hurts is going to be polarizing just because of what it led to with Carson Wentz although I think that ship sailed even before that pick um but yeah, so if you guys want to give us feedback on Eagles Extra, you can sign up for two weeks free by going to nj.com slash text. Chris and I love to hear from you guys. Uh, we're having a lot of fun on there. You'll get detailed analysis, uh, up to the minute news and more. Again, two weeks free on Eagles Extra, nj.com slash text. Um, I'm looking forward to hopefully hearing from uh, our former boss, Kevin Whitmer, who, who left uh, at the end of December. Um, big fan of his. I know he's a big fan of the show, so I, I'm hoping to get an email from him uh, for both of us shortly. Um, and also remember to uh, subscribe to the No Huddle Show podcast wherever you get your podcast, especially if you like debates about GMs who you have a very strong opinion about. Um, for Chris, I'm Mike. I want to say Happy New Year. Thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, if you're a new listener or you've been rocking with us since before we, either of us even got here, we're over 400 episodes strong. Um, it's been fun covering this playoff push. 
We're excited to give you a bunch of great coverage over the next week here on the No Huddle Show podcast and NJ.com. Again, for Chris, I'm Mike. We'll talk to you soon.